You'll notice in your uh, bulletin this morning, there's also another little slip of paper in there that uh, you can do as homework when you get home. It's your top five things that you're worrying about. The reason I want you to do that at home is because um, oftentimes we can talk to our spouses about what we worry about, but oftentimes our spouses or our parents or our kids actually know better about what we're worrying about than we actually do because those are the things that we're talking about all the time. Those are the things that we're focusing on all the time. So we may not think that we worry about it too much. Our spouse knows and our kids know what we're actually worrying about a little more. So feel free to do this at home and uh, yeah, talk it over. Kids, it's okay to talk to mom and dad about these things. It's okay to talk to somebody else that you're trusting about these things. So I did a bit of research this morning about what really worries us. A lot of these things you guys uh, shared with me, with us already. So what worries us, you can uh, take it into four different categories. The first one would be money and future. So you've got debt. You've got worrying about being able to cover the bills next month, financial security for when you have kids, financial security for when you retire. The list goes on and on and on. These are just four little things. The second thing we worry about would be uh, job, job security. So worrying about um, losing our jobs. Pressures at work, slow economy, uh, competitive job market. The list goes on and on with that one too. The next thing we worry about would be our relationship. So if you're, you're single, you worry about finding a partner. If you're married, you're worried about how secure your relationship is. Strained relationships with family, friends, colleagues, um, children. That's a big worry. The last category I have here would be our health. So we worry about our own health. We worry about the health of a loved one worry about uh, developing a serious illness or a health condition. We worry, worry about our mortality. The list goes on and on for each one of those ones too. Right? These are big lists. That's just a little highlight reel. So don't forget about our kids and our students. Uh, they have lots of worries too. So I found a poll, Parents Canada poll. They polled 650 kids, uh, grade 4 to grade 8. Grade 4 to grade 8. And uh, what, they're, what kids are actually worried about, we should be worried about a little bit too. So the results will actually surprise you a little bit. Kids worry about their future. About 60% of kids of all ages worry about their future. 8% of kids worry about their future all the time. Least worried about their future, grade four boys. <laughs> Makes sense, right? You're going to notice a bit of a pattern here. Um, Kids worry about their grades. Slightly more than 40% of boys and girls worry about their grades, and nearly 20% admit to worrying about their grades all the time. That was never me. Girls actually worry slightly more than boys about their grades, but that's not across the board. Uh, the third thing they worry a lot about would be their appearance. The older they are, the more they worry about this. So grade 8 girls worry twice as much as grade 8 boys in their class, but even half the boys admitted that they worry about this sometimes too. Least worried, grade four boys. Okay, number four, fourth thing they worry about, health of loved ones. Nearly 60% of children worry a lot about the health of somebody that they love. Number five, they worry about making mistakes in class. So 75% of kids worry about making errors in front of their classmates. Uh, least worried about this would actually be grade eight boys, according to the study. And closely related to that, they are worried about laughed at. Not necessarily due to mistakes, but actually laughed at for wearing the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing and being the, the butt of a joke. 
Grade 4 boys and grade 4 girls actually worried the most about this. Grade 8 boys worried the least about this. Number 7, they worry about their friends. Friends mean a great deal to kids and students. Girls worry about 90% of the time about their friends, and boys worry about 80% of the time about their friends. Isn't that crazy? Here's one that I thought was a little odd. They worry about the problems of the world. When asked about whether they were worried about global unrest and crisis, 74% of kids say they worry a certain amount. Grade 4 children worry slightly more than older children. So how many of you have actually had a conversation in your home about uh, World War III? They're talking about it a bit at school, so that would be one of the ways that you're knowing that they're concerned about it. Uh, the number, number nine would be they're worried about the environment. 50% of kids are worried about the environment. This is something that we're teaching them to honor the environment, right? Uh, number 10, they worry about getting lost. Parents actually worry more about this than kids do. But 60% of kids actually worry about this. Least worried, grade 8 boys. Number 11, they're worried about popularity. 54% of grade 8 girls and boys worried equally about this. Least worried, grade 4 boys. Stranger abduction. Only 14% of children worried about being abducted, but of that 14%, actually that's not true, 50% of the kids in grade 4 worried about this more than the older kids. So the younger the child, the more they would worry about child abduction than the older kids. So kids worry too, right? Parents, we need to be realizing this. Kids worry too. Uh, this was kid, those were kids grades 4 to grade 8, but what about our students or our teenagers? A uh, popular video that's out there right now by... Uh, Michaela Horn, that's entitled Teen Stress from a Teen Perspective, this is a TED Talk, has over half a million hits already on it. And when you read through some of the comments that are underneath that video, some of them are uh, really heartbreaking. Here's one that stuck out to me. It says, I cried in four classes today at school due to stress. Only one of my teachers asked me if I was okay. And then the only thing she did was pat me on the shoulder. And only one friend comforted me. My parents yelled at me after school saying it was my fault that I was stressed out about my four AP tests coming up and that it wasn't my fault that I, or it was my fault that I didn't get enough sleep. The reason why kids don't tell parents everything is because parents can judge rather harshly and that just makes the situation worse. So why bother saying a word? When, I'm st or when I say I'm stressed, my mother tells me that, the only, that only adults experience stress if she only knew. I know so many people who are suffering so much, more than I am. I still get stressed and upset. I never tell anyone, and I don't know why. That's a comment underneath one of these videos. Um, I mean, it just keeps rolling. There are thousands, literally thousands of comments underneath those things. It's a sad thing to hear, isn't it? And if you ask any one of our teachers who are in the school system right now, this is actually becoming a reality more and more and more of a reality in our school system. So every single person, every single person gets to deal with stress in one way or another. Stress, worry, it's the same thing. According to our passage this morning, this is the passage we read this morning, thanks Andrew, um, worrying is really not a new thing. I would imagine that Adam probably worried when he got kicked out of the garden about how he was going to feed his family. So worry has been something that's been going all the way through. Um, those of uh, who would have been hearing this message firsthand, if, you, if you're not following us along through, we're actually working down through the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we are right now. 
So those hearing this message firsthand would have known a lot about worry. The, the cross-section of people hearing Jesus' message would have went from wealthy business owners to teachers of the law to people who uh, were extremely poor. The full cross-section would have been hearing this message. Commentators say that the majority of this crowd would have been probably poor to lower class. So much of their daily routine here would have been figuring out what to eat, figuring out uh, how to keep a roof over their head. That's what many of, our, many of the people hearing that message that day would have been hearing. Uh, so that's why Jesus is kind of pushing the boundaries of this thing, right? He's not, he's not really giving it to them lightly. He's really pushing the boundaries. So beginning with this word, worry. The Greek way to say this would be merimno. And the definition for this word would be to show deep concern for. Worry means to show deep concern for. So Jesus is teaching here that deep concern can go in two separate directions here. The first, section, the first direction can be towards the temporary things in life. The second can be towards the eternal things in life. Towards the temporary things in life and towards the eternal things in life. So this little illustration that I had here this morning for you, this is one that I borrowed from Greg Groeschel. Greg Groeschel. Do you notice how we put all those worries in the big box right here? But what we actually do is we put all the worries in the big box and we think about them and we think about them and we think about them and they're on our mind all the time and they keep us thinking and thinking and concentrating. They affect our relationships. They affect everything we do, right? It's just constantly on our mind. That's the worries of life. And then we kind of get fed up with them sometimes and we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this one. That one says friends on it. I'm going to give you that one. And I'm going to let you have it. And I'm going to let you have it. So what are you going to do about it? Are you doing anything about it? Come on, God, what's going on here? This really isn't working. And then what do we do? We start worrying about it and we take it back. And we put it right back in there again, don't we? And that's a constant thing. We give it to God, and then we take it back. And then we give it to God, and we take it back again. That's really not how the whole thing is actually supposed to work at all, is it? What we're actually supposed to be doing is we're actually supposed to be, he's a big God, doesn't he? He loves us like crazy, right? So he's the one that's, that's going to provide for us. He's the one that cares for us. And what we're actually supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be doing these worry things, right? We just put them right in there. That's the idea. We put them in there, and we leave them in there, right? Now, I know, I know how this works. It's pretty easy, left on our own. We will take those things back every single time, won't we? We'll just keep taking them back. But we have to put them in there, and we have to leave them in there. So that's a, a constant, for some of these worries, that's going to be a constant hour by hour by hour. Just keep giving it to God, keep giving it to God. And the more we do this, it gets to be a day by day, and then it gets to be a little more, and then it gets to be a little more. So the more that we, we learn to trust him, the more that we hand these worries to him, the easier they are to handle. And I know I can stand up here and say that, and I know you guys all believe that, but it's, it's a reality. You've got to just keep doing it. Unbelief or worry is a pattern of one who does not understand God's care. Unbelief or worry is a pattern of one who doesn't understand God's care. 
That's what one of my commentators spit and said. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good way to say it. Okay, so let's look, our, look down through the passage a little bit more. Every time you look at verse 33, every time you see the word but in a passage, what you should be doing is sitting up and paying attention because God is just about to, pay, to, to teach you something. What he's doing is he's making a complete contrast, right? So every time you see but, sit up and pay attention. God's about to teach us something. So he says, but seek first, or seek me first and my righteousness. Seek me first and my righteousness. That means putting the whole worry box inside the God box. It takes a change of mindset. Left on our own, we will take it back every time. So as we grow in our trust and our faith in Jesus, and we keep doing this more and more and more, we'll start to become worried about the things that God's worried about. Start to become worried about the things that, we shouldn't say the things that God is worried about. What we should actually say is we become more concerned about the things that God is more concerned about, right? So this is what God is concerned about. God's concerned about women, children, students who seek first his kingdom. So our everyday lives should actually be concerned about kingdom building. Our everyday lives should be worried about or should be concerned about uh, sharing Jesus with absolutely everyone I can. That's what we should be concerned about, more so than the temporal things in life. Um, our everyday lives look a little like this. I'm being sent by Jesus to bless others and invite them to follow him. That's one of the sayings that we've been learning. Earlier in the message, Jesus was actually teaching them that they were to be the salt of the earth and they were to be the light of the world, right? So when we're seeking first his kingdom, we get to flavor the world around us. We get to show the light to those around us. We're about kingdom business. We're about the Father's business. Second thing he's looking for, second thing God is concerned about, is women, children, men, students who seek his righteousness. So I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. I'm learning. Every day I choose to be like Jesus. Every day I choose giving the worries, of, the worries to him. Uh, no matter what I'm going through that day, I choose to keep following him. I choose, I choose. That's a tough one. I know that too. Like I know that it's tough to keep choosing him, but that's the way that, that's what he wants for us, right? And as we keep choosing him, our trust grows in him. It's a growing and a maturing process. We must be deeply concerned with the things that deeply concern Jesus. So that's a big picture thing. But we also need to think about the everyday life. What does the everyday life actually look like when we're dealing with worry? So if you want to turn with me to Philippians 4, 4 to 7, I've got three practical ways that we can combat worry. Three practical ways to combat worry. The first one would be uh, a grateful heart. Up here it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or concerned about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Best way to combat worry, have a thankful heart. Stop coming to him with our whole list of concerns that says, I need you to do this and this and this and this for me. 
and start coming to him, just say, thank you. Just say, thank you, and be ready to listen. Uh, I know that when you look at the passage, it actually says, present your request to God, but it also says there's a little bit of criteria in there that we need to have before we present our request to God. The criteria would be being gentle, being prayerful, and being aware that Jesus is always near. If that's your criteria, when you're coming to God with your requests, you're in the right place. The second way to combat worry or stress would be to get a proper perspective. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Get the facts, focus on the truth, focus on the things of God, and if we're thinking in a way that is honoring to God, that's the best way that we can worry less. If you're thinking how God thinks, worrying, you will worry less. The third one I have here is trusted relationships. So whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul talking, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to give you one more plug for small groups. I know some of them have started already, but if you're having a stressful time in life, there's nothing like being part of a small group to help you get through. There's nothing like being a, a, among a bunch of believers who are studying God's Word to relieve the stresses of life. So if you need to, need to get signed up for a small group, uh, Dave and Mel are at the back still, and I'm sure they would sign you up, but I highly, highly encourage being part of one of those. Uh, kids and students, um, mom and dad are actually great people to talk to. Um, mom and dad, one of the big things we can do is just listen. Just listen. Uh, also, kids and students, um, get friends who are going to build you up. Actually, this works for adults too. Get friends who are going to build you up, help you focus on what is noble. So if you have friends who are leading you away from Jesus, you're going to worry more. But if you have friends who are leading you towards Jesus, that's going to decrease your worry in life. So last week I was getting ready for youth group and I came across this account uh, that I thought would be pretty good to share this morning just in a way of closing. It was a story about this lady named Annie Johnson Flint, and I spent a little bit of time doing some research on her. Annie Johnson Flint was born in 1866 on Christmas Eve. At the age of three, Annie's mom passed away uh, in childbirth, and her dad actually had to give her and her sister up for adoption because he had a disease that was incurable, and he couldn't look after his girls anymore. So she and Annie and her sister were adopted by the Flint family. The Flint family brought Annie and her sister up to know Jesus, and she became a Christian at the age of eight at a revival meeting. Uh, she was known as a cheerful, optimistic, and generous little girl. After finishing high school, she took on a teaching role at a local primary school, and uh, as she was beginning her second year of her teaching career, um, arthritis began to show up. And so it, it got progressively worse and worse and worse. And so by the end of her third year of teaching, uh, she could barely even walk anymore. At the end of her third year, she actually had to, to quit teaching. The next three years after she had quit teaching got really, really tough for her. The, her parents, the Flints, adopted parents, the Flints actually passed away. And uh, Annie was becoming increasingly 
helpless to the point where her sister couldn't look after her anymore and uh, the two of them were actually barely getting by. Um, At the end of those three years, they moved Annie to Clifton Springs Sanitarium because she required complete care and her sister couldn't do it. Annie provided for herself by writing Christmas cards, uh, greeting cards, poems, hymns, articles, and articles for Christian publications. Most of her life was spent with others doing everything for her. Uh, She was incontinent and had to wear diapers. She had cancer. Arthritis had twisted up her body so much that she could barely even move. Towards the end of her life, blindness and boils actually plagued her, and she had to prop herself up on pillows just to, to keep comfortable. But she was a beautiful hymn writer. So here's one of her hymns. He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. I think that's probably about the best way to combat worry right there, isn't it? To be thinking that way. All right, let's just close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you're the God who cares for us so deeply that uh, you want us to hand our worries over to you. You want to take them and you want to uh, give us strength to, to get through. You want to give us wisdom and you want to give us discernment and guidance. Thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to, to be there with us. Thank you that if we know Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is living right inside of us. Help us this week as we're uh, learning to trust you more, to just keep handing it over to you more and more and more. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we close, yet not I.